This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street, Maidstone. Bluebutterfly.co.uk. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Wednesday, October the 20th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Coming up, we've got news from the Met as they announce changes following the murder of Sarah Everard by a then-serving officer from Deal. And why caravan owners in a part of Kent fear they could be left homeless. But first, are we heading towards another national lockdown this winter? Well, the business secretary is confident we're not, but health bosses say it's time for ministers to bring in what's been called Plan B. It's all because Covid cases are rising again and yesterday saw the highest daily number of deaths since March. NHS leaders want face masks to be compulsory in England once more and for us to be encouraged to work from home if possible. Matthew Taylor is the chief exec of the NHS Confederation. I speak to health leaders every day in every part of the service, ambulance services, mental health services, the acute sector. I haven't spoken to a single one who doesn't say that they are incredibly stretched. Kwasi Kwarteng says winter is always a difficult time for the health service. I think with coronavirus, it does add uh, an extra complication. But we're confident uh, that with the vaccine rollouts, with the extra booster uh, jab uh, take up, uh, the situation is is. Can be, can be managed well. The Health Secretary is going to be holding a briefing at Downing Street. You can follow details on that via our socials or head to the national news pages of Kent Online. We're here in Kent, nearly 6,000 people caught coronavirus in the week to last Thursday. Latest figures show cases have gone up by about a fifth in the space of seven days, but the number of patients being treated in hospital has dropped and COVID deaths are also down, with 17 recorded in the county in the week to October the 8th. We're asking on socials today if if you think wearing face masks should be made mandatory again, David Parker says, no, it's time to start living again. This virus is here for good now. We have to accept that. Anyway, the data on mask wearing is pretty slim. Peter Gibbs has added, without a doubt, the government will once again wait until the horse has bolted before locking the stable doors. Well, you can let us know what you think by leaving a comment. This is also going to be the topic of conversation on the lowdown tonight. You can get involved by posting a comment or posing a question to the panel of experts is on our Facebook Live from 6. Meantime, artists in Kent say they're still facing a lot of uncertainty after the pandemic wiped out almost a third of jobs within the music industry. That's nearly 70,000 people, according to a new report from UK Music. Live venues were unable to showcase artists' work during COVID restrictions, leaving both venue owners and performers out of work. Sophia Suchbury is a Folkestone-based singer and songwriter and says even with no restrictions not enough people are coming through the door the really frustrating thing for me is that um you will constantly hear you'll always hear it people will moan and go oh our town's rubbish because there's nothing going on i mean they went out the other night and there was nothing going on and you're like yeah well but then the the venues put something on and the people don't turn up and it's like they can't just keep putting events on and on and on and for the one day that you feel like going out i don't know and i think it's really hard right now because people are scared to go out still um they 
we've all really got used to being at home and doing this stuff now. And I think even, you know, you talk to people because the mental health thing has come massively into this. Um, and even people like myself that are, you know, more outgoing, perhaps a bit more confident, more people people, even they're kind of saying, oh, I feel a little bit nervous to go out because it, it's kind of made us all feel a bit like this. So it's not sometimes because people don't want to go out. It's maybe that, you know, they can't or they feel a little bit um, a bit on edge, a little bit nervous too and stuff like that. So I think that there's a massive issue right now. And if something's not done soon, there's going to be um, a real lack of good live music. Um, and the, the venues to go to, if people are moaning now that the towns haven't got enough going on, if you don't support them, there's going to be nothing. And I'm talking some of these venues have been open for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, not just new places. And that would just literally break my heart. It would break my heart. I could cry right now just at the thought of some really great old music venues and having to travel. I think it's lovely that local towns, most most towns and cities, um, you'll always have a few venues that are very music focused and, and love to support live music. And that's fantastic. Fantastic. You should always have that in a few towns. You know where those little music venues are. They always do like good live music there. They always have good acts in there. So you know it's the place to go. I don't want to travel to the, you know, five towns away. I want to stay where I am and, and support because I know how much great talent there is around here. And every town has some great talent. But even like Folkestone, even more so because there's just so many people that attract here. So yeah, it, it's really worrying, really worrying because it's not just the venues and the artists and the musicians either. It's all of the other things so the taxi at festivals i was talking to some festival i was on a big um zoom a few weeks ago and it was people that or, the organizers of some of these big festivals and it's not you for all the food store holders you've got all these merch all these artists are told to make merch to get more money at their live gigs but if they can't do a live gig they're not going to buy the merch so then you've got printing companies going out you know that you can see the knock-on effect so yes yeah. yeah, pretty worrying the government says its two billion pound culture recovery fund has been a vital lifeline and says it it's committed to helping the music industry. Victoria Bass is a local singer based in Folkestone. It is really hard and it is really scary, but I just think that the thing, the only thing we can do is, you know, all try to have as much sort of caution that we can ourselves. Like everyone do everything that you can. So, you know, I always test. I always make sure that I'm safe when I go to a gig, to a venue. Um, I, I try to support friends who play so that they'll support me in return. And I think it's really important, like Sophia says, like, although, yes, I have been to some really big gigs recently in London, I'm just sat here thinking, have I seen any local people in Folkestone recently? Like, no. So mm. it is really good to kind of, you know, when you are thinking, what shall I do? Shall I go and do something really far away? Think, could I walk? Could I go to a local venue? You know, could I help support my community? It's quite good to think what more you can do to support local businesses yeah and finally on this today there are calls for increased police patrols outside schools in gravesend after anti-vaxxers approach pupils parents say children have been left upset and scared by the intimidation a local councillor's urging protesters not to target young people kent online news other top stories today and a convicted killer is back behind bars just four years after causing the death of a man in Maidstone. Andre King was found guilty of manslaughter in 2017 after punching a man in the head outside McDonald's in Week Street. The 20-year-old from Sittingbourne was released in 2019 and has now been jailed for four years after stabbing a 16-year-old boy. A man who allegedly ran down his neighbour in a row over an access road has told a court he has no recollection of it happening. CCTV 
footage, which has been played to a jury, shows Charles Wood checking damage to the front of his van in March last year. The 59-year-old from Rye Road in Sandhurst denies attempted murder, causing grievous bodily harm with intent and causing serious injury by dangerous driving. The trial continues. It's claimed detectives who interviewed a serial killer after the death of his first victim failed to flag up an earlier significant incident. Stephen Port went on to murder 21-year-old Daniel Whitworth from Gravesend as well as two other men between June 2014 and September the following year. An inquest into their deaths is looking into whether lives could have been saved if police had acted differently. Plainclothes police officers will video call a uniformed colleague to confirm their identity when stopping a lone woman in future. It follows the murder of Sarah Everard by then-serving police officer 48-year-old Wayne Cousins from Deal earlier this year. Metropolitan Police Commissioner Dame Cressida Dick has told a London Assembly Committee the system will be introduced in the capital. A quick, easy way, which again is instigated by the officer, not by the, by the woman having to ask for this, uh, which will happen, which I hope will, will be you know, one way in which um, people can feel reassured. Wiltshire Police have already announced a similar scheme and speaking in the Commons, Prime Minister Boris Johnson's insisted the government's determined to address safety issues. What we're doing now to make sure that women in particular feel safe at night is we're investing in safer streets, in better street lighting, in more CCTV. The Kent Online Podcast with Blue Butterfly, Earl Street Maidstone. Now this is one of our most read stories today. More than a thousand caravan owners on Sheppey have suddenly been told they need to pay thousands of pounds within the next two months. Those with mobile homes older than 10 years on four sites owned by Cosgrove Leisure Parks are no longer going to be allowed to pay site fees and water rates monthly. Now, it means they have to find up to £6,000 before the 17th of December, with some fearing they could be left homeless if they don't get the money. Well, reporter John Nerden joins me now. John, you've been following this story, haven't you? Sheppey, like so many seaside resorts around Kent, has plenty of caravan parks. But for many, it's not just a holiday home. Residents buy their caravans or mobile homes and are allowed to stay there for 10 months of the year. Many are also elderly who have downsized and enjoy a small home by the sea. They are often on fixed incomes, sometimes just pensions. For the two months they have to vacate their property, they either book into a nearby hotel or take a holiday. They do, however, have to have a permanent home, which is sometimes a relative's house. Many have been on the sites for 30 or 40 years and are used to paying their ground rent and water rates monthly. Holiday park owners also want to maintain standards and one way is to try to keep caravans and mobile homes up to date. Some, like Cosgrove Leisure, which owns four sites on Sheppey, has put a limit on how old a caravan can be. In the case of Cosgrove, That is now 10 years. Anyone who is a caravan 10 years or older has received a letter out of the blue saying they now have to stump up full rent for next year by December the 17th. In the case of Ashcroft Coast, that is £4,577 for a standard pitch or £4,825 for premium pitch. Residents argue that along with their monthly fees for October, November and December, they now need to find up to £6,000 pretty quickly. 
They also argue that there is often nothing wrong with homes over 10 years old. Moving is often not an option. Many other sites don't want a caravan they haven't sold. And even if they do, transport costs around £2,500. Many of the sites on Sheppey have relatively new owners like Cosgrove, who have recently snapped up three sites, Henry Cooper, who bought Elmhurst in 2020, and Lovett Parks, which bought Golden Leaves in 2018. To be fair, all have invested heavily in upgrading the parks with new electricity and water supplies, which you can't see, and new roads and facilities which you can see. Thanks ever so much, John. We have been in contact with the company for a response. We will, of course, bring it to you on a future podcast if they get back in touch. At Kent Online, you can see the moment a huge fight broke out on Ramsgate Seafront. Footage shows punches being thrown in Harbour Street and two people almost being hit by a car. Police say they were called in the early hours of Sunday, but the group had left and no offences were reported. Parents are threatening to withdraw their children from a primary school on a new housing estate in Ashford because of what they've described as hazardous access to the site. Pupils are due to move into new buildings in Chilmington Green after half term, but a number of mums and dads say it's not safe for anyone to walk there. In fact, the county council have actually advised the school run to be done by car and say it's disappointing access roads haven't been completed on time, something down to the developer. More than £4,000 worth of gym equipment has been stolen from a personal trainer's garage near Maidstone. The break-in happened in Hollingbourne overnight last week and a child's bike and tools were also taken. The owners managed to capture some of it on their doorbell camera. You can see that footage at Kent Online. Kent Online reports. It's hoped a giant puppet of a child refugee that's going through Dover later can help challenge the stigma around asylum seekers. Little Amal is a three and a half metre tall puppet and has been travelling through eight countries from the Syria-Turkey border since July. She was met by Jude Law in Folkestone yesterday and tonight arrives in Dover for a procession with 500 star-shaped lanterns carried by local children in Pensister Gardens. Lisa Alton is the director of Future Foundry, who've helped set up the event. She says it's about humanising the issue of refugees. So today, little Amal is arriving in Dover. She's um, a nine-and-a-half-year-old Syrian refugee child um, she's become separated from her mother and she's she's looking for her. And she's been travelling from the border of Syria and Turkey through Europe along the sort of ancient pilgrim routes um, and refugee routes um, and travelling through lots of towns and cities. Um, and in each of the towns and cities, there are welcome events that are being put on for her. Um, and tonight um, she arrives in Dover at six o'clock and she will find 500 star lanterns held by children in Pencester Gardens waiting for her. Um, we, we've been making um, lanterns with children from across Dover and we have some amazing chandeliers as well created by the Dover um, Technical College. Um, so 6.15, um, the procession will lead off from Pencester with Amal and it will take her up to Dover Castle. So we'll come through the high street, through um, sort of Dover Town Centre and Market Square. Um, so everyone can come out and see her. Um, and, and then we're going to walk up to the castle. And, um, and at the castle, there is a, an incredible um, lighthouse sculpture that's being created by Syrian artist duo 
um, UV lab and, and they've created this amazing lighthouse of waste wood and that and it will be illuminated um, by the, the sort of act of all the of all the lanterns arriving with Amar. Sounds absolutely fantastic. I mean, overall, Amar will be traveling through eight countries, 8,000 kilometers. Why Dover? Um, well, she's coming into Folkestone. She came into Folkestone yesterday. She's going to Canterbury tomorrow. Um, and I think they're, they're sort of iconic, um, you know, sort of uh, English um, locations. You know, Dover is the sort of uh, the, the gateway to the country, you know, it's really famous for the iconic white cliffs. So, so if you're going to, you know, if you're going to travel through, you wouldn't want to miss out Dover, really, would you? Absolutely. And what is the the aim ultimately here? You, obviously, a Dover, a particularly significant place, because often we we do have um, asylum seekers who cross the channel and they arrive on the coast. They arrive in Dover. Exactly. Yeah. So, so um, the. The whole project is created by the Walk um, and Good Chance Theatre, and it's to raise awareness of uh, the plight of refugee ch- children across the world. And, and they're doing something really, um, I think, really clever, really beautiful, in that they're sort of, rather than looking at it uh, with the statistics and with news, they're, they're sort of bringing it down to narrative and performance and, and, you know, and stories and the story of the individual. So instead of looking at, you know, at this as an issue, you look at it from the point of view of one child and her experience. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we wanted to do this because um, Dover gets a lot of bad press, you know, it gets a lot of, it, you know, sort of negative, um, sort of, you know, negative news about um, about asylum, people seeking asylum and people crossing the channel. And so and so we wanted to, you know, and what and good chance want to bring a sort of more positive, um, you know, sort of wider view of of people seeking asylum and refugees and the the sort of positives they can bring to communities and help build communities. Um, and Amal is this incredible puppet. She's three and a half meters tall, and she's been created by the very famous handspring puppetry company from South Africa. And they created the Warhorse puppet for the National Theatre. So, you know, she's a, a really incredible, amazing um, uh, sort of um, ambassador, really. Um, to bring everyone out into the streets and we and we wanted to sort of you know show show the dover welcome and show how friendly dover is the procession will lead amal to dover castle before she heads to canterbury tomorrow heavy rains on the way with yellow weather warning issued for kent it'll be in force until three tomorrow morning with as much as 50 millimeters falling in some areas the met office say downpours and coastal gales could cause flooding and travel disruption meantime floodgates have been shut on part of the kent coast amid fears of a high tight. Bosses in Whitstable and Herm Bay say they're taking precautions ahead of a wind-driven surge tomorrow. A survey's found more than 230,000 people took part in the Elmer Art Trail in Maidstone over the summer. More than 50 elephant sculptures were placed around the town, raising more than £310,000 for the Heart of Kent Hospice. We're told it also boosted tourism with a total economic impact of just over £7 million. Plans to name an underpass in Dover after Captain Sir Tom Moore have been abandoned. It's after Sir Tom's family revealed they don't want his name 
same use for locations he didn't have strong connections to. So a new bid is now calling for the subway in Townwall Street and the nearby stairs to be named after Prince Philip. Council bosses have also been asked to consider renaming Market Square after the Queen to mark Her Majesty's Platinum Jubilee next year. And it seems a rare species of crab has invaded Snodland. A couple found one scratching at their front door on May Street and more have been spotted near the Holbrook Lakes development. They're thought to be Chinese mitten crabs. You can see a picture of one at Kent Online. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham have managed to avoid a fourth League One defeat in a row. They beat Doncaster Rovers 1-0 at Priestfield last night. Boss Steve Evans spoke to us after the game. I think the first half was scrappy. I think conditions were a big factor in that. I think it was it was more of a swelling wind on the on the pitch than probably with supporters with thinking in the seats. Um, I think that led to a scrappy performance from, from both. They're always going to have a bit of possession. They're a possession-based team. I think they'll be disappointed. They don't go in front. I think they'll make a couple of good chances. Don't go in front. Um, we knew what we had to do at half-time. We had to change it. We had to get more energy into our system. I think we did that second half. I think it was we were camped in for a long, long time, weren't we? We just didn't get any breaks. Um, we had a routine after so many corners. We changed it to outswinging. I had to remind them before they took it, but but Lloyd takes it and and Vegas on the end of it, and you can see the the Doncaster players are standing at the back stick and on the line went for an inswinger. So I think that was a, a good tactical decision, implemented brilliantly. A great ball from Lloyd, a great header we with the day, and then it's always going to get a bit nervous in the last few minutes. We should we broke, we counterattacked a couple of times. We should score, shouldn't we? We should. Probably John is a heavy touch, but I thought he was very good when he came on tonight. And uh, and then I think second half, I, I don't really see, I don't really see um, they make many chances. I think they've had a few crosses and stuff like that, but they don't look like at any stage. I'm, I'm never really concerned that they're going to score, apart from a referee giving them a nonsense free kick when the boy dies on the edge of the box. But he, he put it into the, the docks, didn't he? And, you know we're punching above our weight in League One, and when you look at the. The resources that many have got, including the club we played tonight, you know they're, they're well financed and they're really good owners. I know Richie well. I think he just sat away to me because if he made them, I think that's why he's sitting away. Um, but you know we, we just had to work extremely hard. I spoke to Gareth Ainsworth. He said they were they were two dollar penalty that they were against us and ended up grind it out. Doncaster missed a succession of chances and dominated the game. But um, I think second half. I think if you take the game as a whole, Phil, I think. There is no doubt for a domination from a half an hour in the second half, we just have to win, and maybe more than one. The result leaves the Jules at three points above the relegation zone. They head to Bolton Wanderers this weekend. Well, that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can subscribe to the IM News app. That's going to give you access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street, Maidstone. BlueButterfly.co.uk